This Choircast podcast episode is brought to you by me. Hi, I'm Tim, the creator and facilitator of the New Evangelicals and host of the New Evangelicals podcast. Original, I know. We are a Jesus-centered and inclusive community that holds space for the folks marginalized by the evangelical church, advocates for accountability in the church, and we help people like you leave that cold, dark, and damp basement of evangelical fundamentalism behind to explore the rooms of the Christian tradition together. You can check out our podcast to hear from all kinds of amazing guests who are way smarter than me, and even a few episodes where I get to rant to our podcast producer about how dangerous Christian nationalism is. Ah, good times. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts or slide into our DMs on Instagram at The New Evangelicals. Thanks. Welcome to Apostates Anonymous, the show you turn to when you're no longer an evangelical. With your hosts, hosts, authors, Keith Giles, and Matthew J. DiStefano. Hey, welcome back to Apostates Anonymous. We are live on location in the middle of a cyclone bomb. I don't even know what the fuck that is, but apparently it just means a lot of rain in California. Yeah. Um, I found out my my chicken run got smashed by a tree, so I'm mourning, and I'm mourning the death of a peach tree as well. So, so how are you? Is this the chicken run a movie? Is the, the talking chicken and the chicken run? Uh, you know, I don't know. Well, it sounds Mel Gibson, familiar. Mel Gibson does the voice of the chicken. Oh, it's really big, good. It's a big, great movie. Big Mel Gibson fan. Huge Mel Gibson fan. On the show. <laughs> I have I celebrate his entire catalog. Yes. Yes, I celebrate privately. Um, <laughs> how how are you? Well, welcome to the new year, Keith. Yeah. Hey. Yes. Happy New Year, Matt. Happy New Year, everybody. Uh, we made it. I I just want to believe good things um, that this year is going to be, if nothing else, better than the last what three years. Uh, that would be. Great. I will say this. I'm confident that this year will be interesting. I don't know if that's positive or negative. That's true. But we're we're off to a good start. Like the uh, what they can't pick a speaker of the house currently. They keep they keep voting, and it just keeps coming out the same. Oh yeah, and it's 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 like it's and, like and watch. It, I I don't want to say it's like watching a circus because a circus takes a lot of talent. And it they have elephants. And this this is and they have elephants. elephants. They have talented. No, they people. are this elephants is, though. That's the deal. They are elephants. But they're right? not talented. This is not yeah. a circus. Circus is not the right. They're not balancing on the beach ball. So yeah. the funny oh, thing about this, dog. okay. The the funny thing about this too is that, um, like everything is stuck. So until they have a speaker of the house, they cannot swear in all the new congressmen. So all these new newly elected congressmen are just sitting around. They can't even get into their office because the procedure to get into the office is they have to verify that you're a congressman. But you're not a congressman because you haven't been sworn in, and you haven't been sworn <laughs> in because we can't select a, a speaker. So what is this day three now? They're still running around in circles trying to, it's just, it's a joke, man. It's just, it's, uh, I mean, I think I've known this for a long time, but government is broken. It's just broken. It really, well, yeah, the current, I I mean, it's like, I don't even know where to begin. I don't want to talk about politics today. I don't either. We're going to have, we're going to have a better 2023 because we're going to be less, well, I don't want to say less involved in politics. I think we actually have to be more involved in politics. But the current political system is just a fucking, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, well, <clears throat> yeah. Well, personally, here's the thing. I, I follow politics, but I try to stay out of it. I'm not, uh, it's like, that's not my, speaking of the circus, it's not my circus and not my monkeys and whatever. Uh, it's, it is entertaining and sad to see it crumbling, but. But whatever. I don't think there's what much I can do? do about it. No. Well, I'll be dead from climate change, so it doesn't matter. That's right. Um anyway, happy 2023. Um as always, we I mean, we're going to kick off this year with a bang. We've got a great sponsor. Um yeah. really excited about this one. Came came into us hot off the press late last night. Um and I just, you know, just shout out to our sponsor here. Are you a conservative struggling to find something to be outraged over? Have a comfortable life but need a proverbial boogeyman? Well, now there's a solution. 
Esteemed gender studies professor Matt Walsh has come up with a state-of-the-art app that uses AI technology to select random words, which then places them together to come up with the next outrageous liberal agenda. With such powerful syllabic masterpieces like Woke, Mob, Communism, and Transgenderism, you'll be sure to be primed in no time for your nightly viewing of Tucker Carlson. Head on over to mattwalsh.theobro.douche to find out more, and use the promo code DUNNINGKRUGER to save 15% off your first year's subscription. Wow. Um, I didn't know .douche was a new... Uh, <laughs> That's a new one. You got the good .gov, you got the .edu, and you got the .douche. .us, .net, .us, .net, .com. .douche. I could think of some uses for that. Just a .douche. Here's what I find, I find troubling. I just started... I mean... I, I, it's been obvious, but we just haven't said it out loud. But we can't, just can't seem to keep a sponsor. Like every we episode, can't. we have they last it's one. another they last one episode, then they're out. So here's the thing, folks: you <laughs> got to actually support the sponsor. You have to go to the website. You have, you to, have to put in the promo codes because otherwise, then they don't know you're listening to the show, and then right. it's not worth it in their marketing plan. Yeah, something's broken here. I'm not sure, but yeah, it's not worth. <laughs> I love. I like writing things that uh, that make me that make me smile. You ever write something that makes you smile? Like oh esteemed gender studies professor Matt oh, yeah. Walsh. Oh yes, that's, yeah. That. That's like uh, when I did the one, the Theo Beards one. I I, I was laughing so hard I couldn't yeah. get through it. I couldn't actually do it. It's, it's, sometimes it's tough. That one actually I got through in one take. Some of them there was what. Uh, there was one that I, it took me like five takes because I kept laughing at the fake porn stars' names. Right. <laughs> I just, I just, I could Lola Lollipop. <laughs> yeah, oh, couldn't man. I couldn't stop laughing. But um, yeah, thank you for, thank you for that. If you want to pick that up, if you need something to be outraged over, there you go. That's there you helpful. go. Because sometimes it's you just feel like, what, what should I be what? outraged about today? And you wake up and you're and like, it, I don't, it can't I just be something. It can't be something real. I mean, you're a conservative, no. right? It has right. to be something like that doesn't affect you at all, like furries, kids who dress as furries and <laughs> supposedly take dumps in the bathroom in a kitty litter thing. You got. I mean, you got to get pissed right. about that because right. you know, what else is there in the world to be mad about? Right or black hobbits or dude, nothing worse than a black hobbit. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> We all know mermaids are also white. Hey, did you? Who was it that was trying to give? Was it Mass, Matt? It might have been Matt Walsh actually, who was trying to give like a scientific explanation on why mermaids would not have enough melanin to be black. Like it was just like because oh, they're kidding. too far. Yeah, like the sun doesn't go. You know, like okay, that, it doesn't oh, wait, go that sounds. That sounds like a like a stupid ad, right? That sounds that's like a stupid we ad do. we put on this stupid show. That's comedy. <laughs> like, see, this. Is, I'm telling you, man. The best, the best little things that I've seen and come up with. Are things that are real. I'm just scrolling through social media and I see stuff. I see it's just I see something and I have to stop and go, wait, that's real? You know, like a Satan yeah. detector for your house or whatever. Like, really? But people, it reminds me man, of Gadar from the office. The gate, yes, Gadar. Yes. Oh my goodness. So yeah, the keeping keeping the uh the uh unique and interesting sponsors is a it's an ongoing challenge. It's, it's honestly the hardest thing about this podcast. Uh, everything else is uh, easy. I pulled the last ad out of my ass pretty quickly. Yeah, that was good. You, that, I gotta say, you get, you're getting it. You're getting it's it about down. For, about ten minutes before the show. Yeah. Just you know, to to be honest with, to be you know, transparent yeah, about how that, we that, operate here. Yeah, and that's and that's the time frame also in which we decide what the topic will be for the episode, right? Well, yeah. So speaking of topic, I was um, designing Maria Francesca French's new book, which comes out. Uh, the 27th of January. So just a couple weeks after this launches and her subtitle is a post-Christian journey. Yeah. The title though is safer the title, than the known yeah. way. Right. Just everybody go out and get it. Go, you can even pre-order it. Yeah. Go ahead. Go yeah. Ahead. I'm going to link that in the show notes. You're going to want to buy that. It's fantastic. It is, it's a um, great book. Yeah. The cover is striking and, but then the subtitle, like, a post-Christian journey. And then I thought about it and I was like, okay, I would consider myself post-Christian. Yeah. Because I don't identify that way. Like I don't think about term Christian terms. I don't think I don't like structure my day-to-day -day in in any sort of Christian way. So I would have to be considered post-Christian. So what does that mean for us? What does that mean for me, Keith? What is it what would it mean for you? Yeah. It's a good it's a I think it's a good topic because um it's not something that I think we've directly addressed before and um 
it's it's I guess I want to start off by saying it's unfortunate that we have to <clears throat> we have to talk about what where we are now in terms of what we're not right because there is no term for I think that I know of for what we are it's it's that we're post Christian sure but, but but that just says what we're not or what we used to be it's not saying what we really are now and oh, and maybe sure. that's just yeah. because it's in it's in flux, you know, we're still trying to figure this out. But um, and, and what what I mean when I say I'm post-Christian is that, like like you were saying, I don't, I don't um, live my life by what the Bible says. I don't, um, yeah, I'm not concerned about what's going on in sort of the Christian world, um, all that kind of stuff. Like, and I've moved beyond um, these ideas that, um, that, that I mean, I love Jesus. I think Jesus is awesome. And Jesus is still my sort of preferred, you know, or what do you want to call it? Uh, he, he's my, he's my prophet of choice or whatever. But, um, but I don't, I'm not limited to that. Like I, I really enjoy seeing truth and, and, and experiencing truth through other voices and I'm open to that and, and I'm really open to that. Um, so, I mean, I guess for me, that's, that's kind of where I'm at at this stage is that I'm, I feel like I've just moved beyond caring about these endless debates about, but well, what does that verse mean? And what does that scripture mean? And what did Adam and Eve do in the garden? Like, Oh God, I just think, <laughs> please people, it's a story. Let's move on. Um, I kind of want to even drill down into something like when you said, I still love Jesus. Yeah. And I I used to say things like that. And I would say to some degree I do, but to, the, when I like reflect on that and what it actually means, I cannot honestly say that I ever loved Jesus in the way that I love act, like people who are right in front of me. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like even in the evangelical world, we we claim our love for Jesus and this and that. And, and maybe other people's experiences are different than mine, but my experience is that I don't feel the same thing for someone who I've never met in the way that I've met my wife or my daughter or my friends and my family and the people, you know, Mike. And, and, and so it's like, if I had to be honest, like I'd say like, I, I, I love the ideas that Jesus had. I love his story is a good story, but I, I wouldn't necessarily love his story even any more than some other. I mean, Martin Luther King Jr.'s fascinating life and story or uh, um, uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's life and story or even the characters Tolkien created or or even Paul's story. Like, they're all very fascinating. But to say that, like, I love them in the same way I love my wife, I, I can't yeah. say that. I can't say I, I could, I, I don't think if I'm being honest that I could ever say that. Uh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. I'm, yeah, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm still in the stage where, um, I mean, honestly, I feel like I'm, I'm between. Two ferns? Trying to figure it out. I'm, I'm between, I, I feel like, yeah, I'm kind of stuck in the middle of like, cause like I'm writing. So the book I'm writing at the moment, I'm writing a follow-up to Solo Mysterium and um and i didn't have a complete outline when i started it unlike every other book i've ever written but i thought i just thought to myself I, i'll just write my way to the to this sort of like the i had like the first six or seven chapters outlined I, okay i'll just i'll write my way to that point and then i'll just figure my way for, you know it'll, it'll become clear how to kind of like where to go next and, and instead what has happened is that I've, I've i've literally i've drawn a map into the forest and now i don't know how to get out of it and, um, and it's, it's about this topic. It's about trying to wrestle through for myself, um, where I'm at on what do I believe and what do I believe in? How do I think about God? Really? That's what the book is about is like trying to make sense of just this concept of God. And so, you know, for my entire life, Jesus has been the, the face that I put on God, Right. When I, mm -hmm. when I think about God, it's Jesus. When I talk to God, it's Jesus. When I pray, it's to Jesus, right? So Jesus has kind of been God for me. And, and so I guess in that sense, 
I'm still, um, I'm still very fascinated with Jesus. I still think the person of Jesus of Nazareth was a, an amazing person, a great teacher. I think he has incredible insights um, that are profound and all that. And so I, I guess I'm I'm not walking away from that. And here's something else too. Well, I guess to the larger point, um, but I'm still again trying to figure out what do I think about Jesus and where, where does it, where should it really fit now that I am kind of moving away from Christianity as a religion mm-hmm. and more into something else. Right. Um, like here's why here's, I think here's one of the reasons why, as I was thinking about it is that, you know, Jesus and my connection with Jesus, whatever that is, my experience of God, Jesus hasn't let me down. You know what I mean? Um, now the church has, and pastors have, and teachers have, and individual Christians have. And um, so, so you know, as I'm deconstructing and moving away and saying, okay, I don't need this in my life, I don't want that in my life. When I come to Jesus and my experience with Jesus, it's, I don't have any complaints. You know what I mean? It's like, well, that hasn't been bad. That hasn't been um, painful. That hasn't been something that I, I felt the need to let go of. Um but again, at the same time, it's still now in this place of saying, okay, so what is that? And and what do I do with that? Mm, yeah. I think the only thing, I mean, I, I definitely value the ethics and the morality that Jesus, the, 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 um, that he taught and embodied. As we've pointed out many times, there are other teachers who taught and embodied sure. those very things. Yeah. Um, I'm still fascinated. And I think the thing that sets apart Jesus, if anything, and I'm willing to discuss this and debate it, but is the idea of resurrection. And I don't mean it as in, I I don't, I don't care about the biology of it (laughs) like that. I don't care about the embodiment of it. Um, I don't care about literalism or figurative or analogy or allegorical. I don't care about that. I, I like the story that it tells in that I don't I don't think death is the ultimate ending. Right. I think it's penultimate. And I think the resurrection points to that. So that's why I find it interesting. I I, I also hear Buddhists talk in that sort of language as well. Like I don't think Buddhists would think that death is the end either. Right. So I don't know if life after death is definitely not uh, unique to Christianity. I think the resurrection as told in the New Testament is a unique story in the way it's told, but I don't think it's unique, completely unique. Um, but, but outside of that, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have a need for, I don't, in my personal life, other than being fascinated by Jesus of Nazareth, I don't have a need for that figure, though I think I do have a need for, um, Kind of maybe the 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 Christ thread that runs through that exactly. If that makes sense, no, that's exactly right. And see, I'll be honest. I mean, I think that's that's kind of what I was saying. This is I feel like I'm in the middle of something where, um, recognizing and appreciating Jesus of Nazareth, a human being who lived two thousand years ago. Yeah, you know, who had some great teachings and had some great insights and and had an amazing impact on. Obviously, because two thousand years later we're still talking about it, right. Um, right? But also recognizing that you know Christ isn't his last name. That that this concept of the Christ, uh, which developed at least thirty to fifty years after he you know uh, had died, um, is is a is another idea, right? And we see that. Um, I mean, Paul is the one that really develops it. This crystal, this much more advanced Christology much later. Um, and I'm fascinated by that, like how that developed so rapidly, like how Jesus went from being, we think he's the Messiah to, Oh, we think he might be the son of God to, Oh no, he's God. And in fact, he was pre-existent with God before anything was ever created at any time. Like, wait, what? That was a quick, how did you get to that? That's a big, big leap. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, the implications of that teaching, this Christ teaching, I'm fascinated by that. I, and I, I think it's accurate um, 
I, I mean, in other words, like I, I lean in that direction. Yes, there is a Christ in everyone, which that takes Jesus out of sort of this unique uh, category, where again, I still think Jesus is great, but I think what Jesus is an example of is that there is Christ in everyone. And that is the later Christology, right? That like Paul says, um, he says in Colossians that Christ, let's um, see, yeah, that, that uh, the fullness of the Godhead dwelled in bodily form. And then in Ephesians, he says that, um, that we are filled with the fullness of Christ who fills everything in every way. You know, he says in Acts to the idol worshiping pagans that Christ is the one in whom we all live and move and have our being. Um, so, you know, I, I embrace that idea. I think, yep, I think that's right. Um, but it's like needing to separate Jesus from Christ a little bit. And then, and sometimes then there's some confusion there. Like, well, when I say Jesus, well, what I mean is Christ. Uh, I mean, this transcendent to, spiritual to, yeah, to, divinity. To that, separate it like linguistically, I think. All, yeah. but, but ultimately, like Jesus is the Christ, just as everything, like everything is the Christ. So in like Hindu or Buddhist thought, it would almost be the equivalent. And I don't want to, I don't, I'm going to say it's exactly equivalent, but like almost the equivalent of the Brahman. Like it's the universal, the, the principle, the unifying principle that like holds everything together, like the yeah. logos almost. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, yeah. Exactly. It's like Jesus is the Atman and, and yeah. Christ is the Brahman. Um, it's something like that. So, and not exact, but kind of parallel language that I would, in ways that I would think about it now. But I, I don't see. I guess I just, I don't see how Jesus is any different than us. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus, the human flesh person is any different than us, nor are our Christ natures different. I'd say the only difference is that I, I, this is where I'm at now. I believe God used Jesus to show everyone that death isn't the end. There you go. And, and I would say, I agree with everything you just said. And I think that that's sort of my shift is that. Um, like when people say, do you believe Jesus is God? I'll say, well, yes, but in the same way that I am and you are, right? Mm -hmm. I, 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 again, Christianity as a religion has, it's funny because, you know, originally it did talk the way we're talking, right? In fact, I have a, I have a whole thing in my book I'm doing where I found, my, dude, every major church father from Irenaeus, uh, Tertullian, Justin Martyr, um, Athanasius, all the way to freaking Augustine and Thomas Aquinas, they all affirm that man uh, that God became man so that man could make us gods. So this deification of humanity, right? Um, which which is a Christian doctrine, but it's been kind of. I mean, nowadays if you talk that way, you're going to be called a heretic, right? You're going to um, be on our show. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, this is Christianity. This is this is Christian doctrine. It's just been kind of pushed to the side. Um, so to me, absolutely, I say yes. Jesus uh, embodies something. Jesus uh, helps us see something that's really profound. But it's not just about Jesus. And the, and unfortunately, it's become the thing. That, well, uh, there's a segment of Christianity which is kind of like the, the majority now that wants to say, "Oh no, no, no! All that's true about Jesus, but it's only true about Jesus, and it's not true about you and me." But that goes counter. That goes against the grain of what the scriptures say and what early Christians understood. Um, so here, here's something that might help people listening to kind of like uh, understand what we're talking about. So there's this really amazing passage, John 14, 20, where Jesus says to his disciples on that day, you will know that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. And what I've realized is that that's true. I, that I, I think that's a good, it's a true statement. That's, I think that's talking about the Christ that's in everyone, right? Christ fills everything in every way. But if it's true, if that is true, if what Jesus is saying is true, um, Jesus says, I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Well, check this out. Then I can say, Matt, I want you to know that Keith is in the Father, and you are in Keith, and Keith is in you. And everybody should be able to say that, because because it's true of Jesus, it's true of you and me too. It's not only true of Jesus. How could I be, um, you know, how could I have this incredible oneness with, with, with God or with Christ 
And if we all, it's not just me, am I the only person alive who has that experience? No, everyone does. So if all humanity is one with God and is one with Christ, then I'm one with you, mm-hmm. right? There is no separation, not only between me and God, but between me and you. And I, to me, that's that, to me, that's the kind of the lost message that, mm-hmm. that really is a huge part of what Jesus was trying to communicate that I think we've totally lost that today. Yeah, I think we gravitate to things that Jesus said, and because Jesus said it, it's only true of Jesus. Right. But if A, if a plus B equals C, then B plus A equals C also. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I've long since wondered that. You know, we say all these things about Jesus, and Jesus turns around and says, my brothers, my sisters. And I'm like, yeah. uh, okay, well, let me think about that. <laughs> like, like, what does that mean if he's saying that? Like, what does that mean of us? If yeah. we say this about Jesus, what does that mean of us? Yeah, because Jesus kind of makes us equivalent, right? Exactly. Like we're all we're all just we're all just people here. Like we're it's it's not that it's like the thing the things he said about himself were very human, and uh-huh. then when we turn around and give him these titles, he's like, "Well, that's what you say." I mean, if that's what you say, I am right, right. So he's almost like really cryptic when we want to give him these elevated titles, but when it comes to his own titles, he's just like, uh, "I'm just here to just here to serve you. I'm just here to right." do this and that. I'm here to heal. I'm here to, you know. Right. Like when, like in the, it's in John, right? Or I think it's in John. I can't remember now, but the, the part where, um, it might be Matthew, but it's the part where, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're wanting to want to kill him and, and call, you know, they say, you know, accuse him of blasphemy. And mm-hmm. he's like, uh, well, you know, your own scriptures say that God said you are gods. Yeah. And so he doesn't say, here's the thing. If if what Jesus wanted us to understand was like, oh no no, you're not God, that would have been the perfect time. But instead, mm-hmm. he would have said, yes, you're not God's, but I am, and that's how most evangelical Christians understand. Somehow, that's what they think is going on there. That Jesus is really saying or or meaning, yes, you humans, you're not God's, but I am. Mm-hmm. But that's not what he says. He says, no, you're all God's. Why are you getting upset at me because I make myself the Son of God? Um. So it's like, again, no, no Christian will ever, no pastor will have a sermon on that, you know, on Sunday morning. Uh, let's look at that passage. Um, so yeah, it is those kind of things where things like um, Jesus does say at one point, I am the light of the world. But then later he says, you are the light of the world. Um, he says that, you know, you'll, if you love me, you will do the things I do and greater things. Paul says, Paul does this wonderful thing too, where he will say things like, uh, he'll say, because it's true of Christ, it's true of you. So Christ, um, because Christ was crucified, you have been crucified with him. Uh, because Christ has been raised, you have been raised with him. Not not that you will be, you are. Now, it's true of you right now. So Christ was crucified, and so are you. And Christ was raised from the dead, and you're raised with him. And Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, and so are you, right now. Again, not in the future, today, right this moment. So there is this, equa- this you know, equating what is true of Christ is true of you. And we've, again, we've just totally moved away from that understanding. And I almost hear every Christian saying, well, how, okay, so you're talking about what does it mean to be post-Christian and then you're quoting the Bible a lot. Well, how are you right. going to know any, and how are you going to know any of this stuff without what you just said? And I'm, I'm almost like kind of confounded by that because it's like when you do a lot of like inner work and you start listening more and meditating more. Yes. Don't you realize that it? It's like that if 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 God is within us and we are within God, don't you think that that the lines of communication are open in some sort of way? Like, and I don't mean like, yeah. well, God told me or God said, but I mean like the true, like the true good. What is the good yeah. to attain the good? What is to do the good? What is to do the right? What is to do the true? What is to create beauty? That's all within us. Like, we don't need. I don't. We didn't figure out because someone wrote it in a Bible. We figured right. it out, so we wrote it down. You, <laughs> you know go. what I mean? Oh, there you like, go. There it's you not go. like like in the Bhagavad Gita, they didn't come across the Bhagavad Gita and say, oh, shit, this shit's <laughs> true. It's like, no, they're like, well, let's figure this out and then write it down. So, exactly. Like it's not the, – the, the figuring it out came before pen and parchment and the printing press. And, yeah, and we totally. get it backwards. Like we're like, oh, we, ha- we have to read it in the Bible, so that's how we know it. It's like, no, we know it. We right. know it. We already know it. Yes, we are fallible. Yes, we have to go through our shit and our mud and our grime. But if we, when we go through that stuff, then we can figure out, we can discern, 
okay, what is my selfish egoic nature? What, what is my, my medic desires that are just based on another's desires? And what is what, what is then true and beautiful? And how do I line up with that? And that's all within us. As Tolstoy said, the kingdom of God is within you. I think Jesus said that too. Hey, a little plug. Yeah. Great book, by the way. Everyone should read that book. It's a great book. Um, Is it going to be possible to pick that up? I mean, is there... Is I think like it a might publishing be the public domain. Like, maybe we should, uh, maybe maybe Choir should should publish a version. Of that. I'll write the forward. I think it would be great. If you can't figure it out, that's what we're doing. It's <laughs> <That's laughs> exactly what we're that's doing. That's exactly what we're going to do. Yes. Damn it! Yeah, we're going to do it. Um, no, that's you make a great point, Matt. Um, I, it's funny. I just had a conversation with someone the other day about it, this exact thing. Like people, there's so many Christians who love to read like the mystics, you know, Julian of Norwich and St. Teresa of Avila and St. Francis of Assisi and all the, the, the desert fathers and all that stuff. And what they miss is they'll read. So they're reading these insights and they're like a, like a, like a morning devotional or something, right? They, mm-hmm. They'll open their, read it before they go to bed or read it in the morning with their coffee and they'll read a chapter and they'll be like, oh my gosh, that is so deep and beautiful and profound. Wow. That's so great. And what you're missing is that person was just a regular person like you. If you spent time in meditation and silence and things like just the way they did, guess what? You could write your own stuff. You would have your own actual experience and and epiphany and go, oh my gosh, I just had this incredible experience. I had this incredible insight that that's kind of like, it's, I think to me, that's the idea, but it it gets missed. Right. And Mm -hmm. and I love your point about how, um, well, to your point about like the, quoting a bunch of scripture, it's the reason I, I always have to quote scriptures when I'm saying these kinds of things is because I'm talking to Christians. That's my, no, I know. Yeah. And, and if I don't use scriptures, like if I said, well, you know, Buddha said, or, you know, black elk yeah. said, or Rumi said, they're like, well, what are you quoting all those like pagan, you know, <laughs> unbelievers for? But, but that, that's the, uh, that's the next thing is to realize like, yes, it's in the Bible. Yes. It's part of the Christian story, but man, it's everywhere. And then that, that is the other part of it to me that makes me say, we're on the right track. Yeah. So I love that. God, I just, you know, I've been thinking just about how liberating this, this type of life is too. Like yeah. there's, I was, um, you know, you've got this uh, debate coming up oh, with, God. who is it again? Dr. Air, air quotes, James White. Allegedly. Um, Allegedly. Okay. James White, pretty prominent Calvinist apologist. I did look him up. He's a great um, guy, by the way. Super nice, super nice guy. Really gracious, kind. Don't know, don't care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't. Um, he could be an asshole for all I care. Uh, I'm sure he's not. I believe you. No, no, the I was being facetious. The, I was being very oh. facetious. If you've obviously never seen a single debate with no, this guy, don't know a single. You need don't to watch at least one, and you will, you will, you will marvel oh. that anybody could be so self-centered yeah. and narcissistic. All right, here we go, people. Um, in the show notes, we got an address <laughs> to hit. No, send him. Don't be a dick. <laughs> send him a copy. Come, don't be come a dick. through. Come you know through. What? I'll hand deliver. I'll hand deliver. Oh a copy. my god, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to <laughs> talk to our distributor. I'm sending you a author copy. Um. I may no, I don't. I don't have one laying around. I apologize. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, I was just thinking about the position you're in, and defend like what? What is it? A discussion on what is biblical marriage, Christian what marriage, is biblical marriage? Yes. Yeah. And then I got to thinking about that. I was like, who the fuck cares? Bar- marriage is whatever we say it is, right? Like, uh-huh. I, I mean. Go in the Bible. Marriage is a thousand different things. My first, I, I posted something when you you posted something on Facebook, and I was like, first question: How many concubines is too many? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the point being, like biblical marriage is a lot of shit, right? Why? But why do we? Why can't we move on and progress? Like, shouldn't marriage be the loving union of consenting adults? And that's it. Like, just move the fuck on. If you want to marry a woman and you're a man and you think that's traditional marriage. No one is fucking stopping you. Right. And this is only an issue worth debating, um, you know, amongst people who are still rigidly tied to following the letter of the law, right? The Bible and says. And it's, and, and and it's because, so yeah. liberating to not be in that world. Like to just say, I don't care 
yes. what the Bible says. <laughs> and you have, and if you do, just don't, don't, I don't, don't make me live by that. Right. And 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 if you want to not be liberated and know what like how liberated I am by not giving a fuck, <laughs> what Solomon thought, or like, what, you know what? Like I find it interesting historically. I, yeah. I approach it that way. But as far as like my marriage or two gay dudes' marriage or three people's marriage, I I don't. Why does it fucking matter so much to you that you have to like? I get why you're doing it. Yeah. Because you're going to take a certain stance that is for liberation and for oh, yeah, yeah. inclusivity. But on the other side is no matter what this person says, if I could be overly, overly reductive, it's going to be exclusivist. Yeah. It's going to be narrow. It's going to be boxed in. And he's going to have a lot of Bible verses and history on his side. Yeah. History it's- written by the victors, by yeah. men, by heteronormativity. Well, Lottie Doc, who the fuck cares? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's if you could just if if people you know who are in that mindset who are still kind of trapped in that way of thinking um, could just acknowledge that by doing that, what you are doing is you are you are applying um, a worldview and an, uh, a moral ethic uh, from. 6,000 years ago, when people thought that the earth was the center of the universe, when they thought slavery was totally cool, um, you know, and, and you're, you're imposing that upon people today and asking them to live that way and think that way. And, and for them though, here's the thing. They think that's great. They think, no, no, but that's what God wants because that's what God says. And they, they cannot look at it and say, is that what God wanted? Or is that just like, Hey, you know, look, um, People back then, uh, they were living in a patriarchal society and uh, slavery was the, you know, the, the way things worked, the economy worked. And lo and behold, their God is, is a patriarchal God and, and thinks slavery is okay. Is it that God thought that or is it that they thought that? You know, like to, not to be able to just kind of look at it from that perspective and go, yeah, I know the Bible says, but mm-hmm. why does the Bible say that? Does the Bible say that because the actual creator of the universe says, yeah, you guys got to have some slaves and I'm just going to make some rules for slaves and don't eat shrimp. And I really care about how many, if you mix your cloth together, like what? No, the creator of the universe doesn't care about any of that stuff. The fact that they did is interesting, but it's not binding on anyone today. And that you really want to go back, like here's what's crazy to me, really crazy to me. That again, it's 2023 and there is literally a Christian pastor, leader, apologist, whatever, standing up and turning to the book of Leviticus and telling Christians, this is how to live your life. What? That just seems like the craziest thing in the world to me. What are we doing? Why would you even allow someone to do that? Here's the other thing. One last thing. The So again, I, I know this because I've already watched like three different debates with James White, he's because he's debated this exact thing several times. So I've been watching him do these debates, and um, maybe we shoot an episode on this topic because there's a lot. There's a lot here. Um, but what I find fascinating is, you know, he what he stands on is that we if it has to be if we change our mind uh, about this, you know, he's talking about basically marriage repent? or gay. Is that repent? Repent? Change? Yeah, your yeah, mind? exactly. Okay, okay. I think that's just, what he just say. want to clarify. Want yeah, to clarify. yeah. So he says, you know, if, if, if the church is going to change its mind about same-sex marriage, about homosexuality, about the definition of marriage, it has to be based on the Bible. We need to be able to find something in the Bible that tells us that we should do that. And, and what I want to say is, well, what's funny is, you know, the church changed its stance on slavery, and it didn't need that. Interracial marriage. Interracial marriage. It didn't need yeah. that because the yeah. Bible still says Slavery is fine. The Bible still says interracial marriage is like, no, do, don't do that. So yeah. the church has already changed its mind on things that are still in the Bible. And they didn't change their minds because they suddenly discovered, you know, we did some exegesis or we found a new interpretation of this verse. And, oh, my gosh, we've been wrong the whole time about slavery. No, that's not why they did it. They somehow found a way to say, yes, I know the Bible does say this many, many times in many, many places. 
How, and by the way, it's a beautiful metaphor for our relationship to God. God is our master. We are his servants. You know, yes, all that's still oh. true. And by the way, those are the arguments that Christians used in favor no, of slavery, did. right? Exactly. Yeah. So I get that. I know that. But somehow, in spite of the fact that you know, minus any of this evidence he says we need to have to change our mind, we've changed our minds. God, I hope nobody wants to go back. Like, we'll whip open the book of Leviticus. And so. No, they do. That's a scary thing. They do. Some of them do. You're right. No, some of them do. Yeah, it's it's just so like anything, any reference to the Bible as an authority is question begging. It may be true. It may not be true, but it's logically fallacious. It's a fallacy because you, how, why, why you have not convinced anyone that you should for the, in the first place, point to the Bible as the authority. Why, what, what's that? What, what, what right. text says to do that? If it's an, exactly. if it's from the Bible, then it's circular, circular reasoning. If it's outside the Bible, well, now you've broken your own rule because how do you know you can verify something outside the Bible telling you to point to the Bible? Because that thing that's outside the Bible cannot be infallible. Also, I mean, if it's also infallible, okay, what else is infallible outside the Bible? Yeah. So it's just this whole circular logic, and yeah, God, it's just so like again. If you want to live your life like that, just don't make other people do that. Exactly. Some of the happiest people I know are gaily married. Yeah, Some course. of the most unhappily mar- married people are straight, straight. Yeah. white folks. Yeah. <laughs> so. I yeah, mean, and, just but, point, but, but just point to the bad, fruit. Yeah, there's good and bad on both sides. I mean, it's not like gay marriage is the best marriage, but it's no, but it's just people not, are fucked up. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like people get married idea, for all kinds of reasons. Yeah, the idea that you could say the Bible says, and therefore everybody needs to align to that is like, well, what if I said, you know, well, the Quran says, and so now everyone needs to do what? Yeah. Well, yep. again, if you, it makes sense to you if you're a Christian to say the Bible says, and therefore everybody should do this. Well, of course. This is God's law. But but again, if you if you if you went to a Christian and said, you know, this totally different holy code says something different, and therefore you need to abide by it, yep. then suddenly you go, Well, do I? Why? I'm not I'm not a Muslim or I'm not a Buddhist, I'm not a Hindu. Why are you telling me I need to follow that teaching? You know what I mean? This is why I couldn't I couldn't debate someone like that because I would just say I, I'm post Christian. Like I I don't have a dog in the fight. If you yeah. want to live your life by that, by all means, do that. Right. Um, I'm not going to stop you. I'm not going to live my life like that because there's liberation on the other side of it. And I don't mean you have to become post-Christian. There are very, there are many great, ver- I, w- I would, I still think Katie's still a Christian. Shonda's would still be a Christian and December's yeah. still a Christian. Sure. So everyone else on the Heretic Happy Hour, and you <laughs> might be, a, I don't know. I'm yeah. probably further, I'm, I'm, farther off the edge than, than maybe y'all. But I think in the way it's, it's all about in how your faith manifests. None of those Christians would tell others how they have to relate to God. Right. It's just for them. They relate to Jesus and you sound like you relate to Jesus more than I do these days. Yeah. I'm just saying like there, for a lot of us, there's, there's no reason to remain Christian. There's less and less reasons, and this is the sad thing. And to me, it's because of stuff like this. You know, I, I mean, you know, it, it pull back a little bit the wider conversation, right? Why is there? Why are so many people leaving the church? Why are so many people deconstructing? Because of crap like this. Because the Christian church has become inexplicably um, the bastion for white supremacist, white nationalist, um, you know, anti. You know, if you're not straight and white, you know, to hell with you. Like it, this is the reason why, because more and more and more, the Christian church looks nothing like Jesus. It's not based on Jesus. I mean, I make jokes sometimes about this, like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if somebody like made a religion or or something like uh, based on the teachings of this Jesus guy? I think that'd be great. Somebody should do that because what we have now is not that. It is not, not even close. And so you know, this is the only reason why I care. I don't necessarily care about like, oh, we, hey, everybody, we have to preserve Christianity. No, I, I figure it's going to it's gonna crumble anyway. I'm just hoping for like, for the people that are kind of still in this thing, if you're in it because of Jesus, because like, no, I like Jesus. I think Jesus was onto something. Yeah. So then let's just, let's just break apart all the crap that doesn't belong there. And then let's get down to who this Jesus guy was. Um, yeah. So 
Yeah. And that's where I think like Christians, like what Shonda was saying in one of our recent episodes about it's still the way, because she's like a community organizer, activist type, the way Jesus set up community is the way that she thinks works best. And I, that's where Jesus is important to me, serving others, washing the feet of others, turning turning a couple loaves of bread into thousands. And I don't, I don't like even a miracle. Like I don't, I don't think it's just like, I don't think he's a magician or a wizard. I think the point, this is where we, <laughs> d- d- we discern the difference between something that's true literally and something that has truth. Right. I think, I think I don't care about what's true. Literally the truth of that story, for example, is that when we come together as a community to serve the needs of others, we all of a sudden have a lot, it's a lot more than the sum of its parts. Yeah. We can go a lot further working together and we turn one loaf of bread into 5,000. I think that's a great truth story. Yeah. Not necessarily something that he's like Harry Potter. A literal true story. Right. right. No, that's exactly, exactly right. Exactly. And see, to me, that's what it means to be post-Christian. Maybe it just means I'm a very liberal Christian. But yeah, I, I, I'm right. more and more looking at some of those uh, stories and parables and miracles and things like that and saying, well... I don't know that those are literal. I think those are even the resurrection, right? I, I don't, I don't see the resurrection as like, if I had a camera, uh, you know, in the tomb, that you know, it, it like early on Sunday morning, I would have seen Jesus stir and rub his eyes and sit up and go, oh wow, that was crazy, and get up and you know walk out. Yeah. But I, so to say that there's that Jesus has resurrected, uh, I don't. I kind of like Marcus Borg and John Dominic Cross and and some others, you know, I see the resurrection as real, but not physical, right? That his actual physical body isn't what came back to life. And what's funny is I don't think Paul thinks that either, right? When Paul, Paul makes this thing about, you know, that, that Christ rose from the dead. And if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then um, we're all dead in our sins. Okay. So what is the Jesus that Paul encountered? Was it a physical body? No, it was a vision. In fact, the people riding with him on the road didn't see or hear anything, but he did. So was that a physical body? No, it was a spiritual vision, something that he had an encounter with Jesus. It did some peyote and went out into the desert and had a vision right. quest. So <laughs> did I mean, do I think that really happened? Yeah, I think that that, that was a, tr- a massive event in Paul's life. He had an encounter with, with Christ, but it wasn't a physical body. Paul doesn't ever say that he ever physically saw a physical body of Jesus. So again, I, when we're talking about the resurrection, I don't think we're, we'd has to necessarily be the physical body. No, I think it can. It can. I like, I like when we talked about this on Heretic Happy Hour and Katie had the point of like the, the good, the positives of the body. Sure. Um, and I, I like all that. I'm just to the point where it's like, I don't care. I don't yeah, care about matter. that. I don't care. I don't care about the birth story. I care about the truth. I don't care about none of the things that Christians seem to care about. Like they have to have it literally true, like journalistically yeah. true. Yeah. And I'm just like, there's so much more there. Did Jonah get swallowed by a whale? <laughs> <laughs> How did he survive? How did yeah, he no, survive? No. <laughs> what did he eat? What did he eat? Was there water down there? No, no, it's, that's what I'm it? saying. It's, it's, it's when people approach, when Christians approach the Bible with that level of scrutiny, like, because it, it actually literally happened. And so now they want to know like, okay, hey, you know, um, you know, they're talking about Adam and Eve in the garden, or what do you think about this? What were they thinking about? And what did they, what happened next? And, and what was, you know, like, dude, it's a story. Come mm-hmm. on, stop. I mean, okay, here's, here's one. Here's an example, right? The Tower of Babel. Mm-hmm. So if you, again, if you're going to be a biblical literist, literalist, literalist, mm-hmm. um, Really? So you believe that people started building a massive skyscraper? So it was taller than the one in Saudi Arabia, whatever, the one, that massive tower that's like mm-hmm. the biggest thing ever built. So it was bigger than that. It had to be, right? Because God hasn't God hasn't judged or come down and uh, you know destroyed people's language, confused their language or whatever, because they built that massive tower in Saudi Arabia or or the Empire State Building or the or the uh, the what's that the the building in uh, Chicago whatever, so like we built a lot of tall buildings since then, really really massively tall buildings. I mean, screw that. We've been to the freaking moon, okay? <laughs> At what point? I mean, read that story and tell me you think that God literally saw some people building a tower out of adobe bricks 
and said, oh, this is dangerous. Yeah, they're not because they're going to they're going to build that tower right up into my front yard and they're going (laughs) to knock on my door and come into my house. So, like, I can't let that happen. So I got to confuse their language because they're going to keep building that tower until they like knock on my front door. You think that's really what happened? You think that's a real story? You don't think that's a metaphor for something? Yeah, I, I that's why I, we have to. Yeah, we have to. Like, it's just so silly. That's where the, the text becomes dead, rather yes. than like, oh, they built a ziggurat where they did a bunch of human sacrifices on sure. it. What happens when we build our systems based on human sacrifices? It falls apart. I think that that's like okay, that's the truth of the story. Rather, did that literally truly happen as a journalistic sort of thing? Yeah, you know, I yeah. heard one of the best things I've ever heard on the uh, on that Tower of Babel story was um, a friend of mine. Was t- he had done some kind? Of, I don't know if he did it or if he read it, but it was a really fascinating study about how, because there's the there's the detail about how uh, they're they're making bricks. So it, these are man made stones versus mm. God made stones, like natural stones, and that in some ways that is more the point that the that people were making their own stones to build these structures rather than building their their structures out of the the stones that God made that are on the ground that are part of the earth that it was it was it was a way that they were trying to replace God right we're mm-hmm. not only going to build this thing into the heavens where God lives and then we're going to live in the heavens the way God does but we're going to do it by making our own rocks to do that rather than no, it's like a, it's kind of a cool like uh ecological exegesis of it and you could also even you could then take that as a principle, and then let's look into the like genetics, right? So today we have human you know, like scientists and things like you know creating, trying to duplicate genetically or mix things genetically to create other hybrids and things like this in the in the in the lab. That's another way of sort of like us making our own stones, right? Rather, we're not following the natural order; we're like kind of imposing ourselves on the natural order and wanting to kind of change it in a way we're playing God, right? So it's a principle, an idea you could you could apply to various things. It's like as a cautionary tale, hey, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe we should think before we do this kind of thing. Yeah, I think it, it would only go so far though, because I think there is the creativity that we're to work in union by using the natural material to create our own unique things. Exactly. So like, yeah, I in 2023, if someone was like, oh, we're actually just using these rocks that we found in the river to build your house, I'd be like, mm, we're running out of rocks. Yeah. I think I want to go with like maybe something else. Like what's okay. the code here? Yeah. Yeah. But again, so the, but what I'm saying is if you can understand that there is sort of a principle there that whoever made up this story wanted mm-hmm. to to teach us or make us stop and consider the dangers of this. It's the way it's how, what those people who made that story up thought. Yeah. It's sure. how they were thinking. It's not saying God thought this, this is where we make right. the mistake. It's like, well, it's in the Bible. Therefore it's God telling humanity. Hey, Hey mm-hmm. people, this is what God is telling you. It's not what God is telling you. It's what whoever wrote that story wants you to think or believe, or it's what they believed. It's not what you have to believe. Again, I just I wish if Christians could just do that and say, yes, I acknowledge that back then this is the way people thought about God, that it was okay to have slaves, that it was okay to have a thousand wives, that it was okay to oppress women, you know, that it was okay to go and commit genocide and kill children and babies and split open pregnant bellies because God wanted that. That's what they thought, yes. And it does say in the Bible that God did say that he was okay with that or even commanded them to do that. But does it mean that God wanted it or does it mean that those people who wrote those things thought that God wanted wanted, it? That's the difference. Of course. Yeah. That's the, that's the first step out of that's the, that's your first, (laughs) you got to take that. Even if you're a Christian, you got to take that step. That would be, if you want to keep the Bible, have keep the Bible, but at least take the step that acknowledges like, just because it's in there and says God said doesn't mean God said. I mean, That's anyone can exactly. say God said. Of Most course. people who say God said do some crazy ass shit. Yes, they and do. The, you know, Florida man. You know, you look up that. A lot of shit happens in Florida where people say God said. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, it's, it's, you know. So even if it's in the Bible, I think we pointed out the, is that Hosea and Second Kings, the difference in two prophets describing the That's same right. event. The same event. God, 
God ordained and then God punished because right. of it. Like, or, well, or like between First Kings uh, and and First Chronicles, right? God told David to count the the people, yeah, or Satan one. told David to count the people. <laughs> Which and, it's it's probably actually both because at that time Satan worked for God. That's right. So he was on. We the, read it as like two opposing. <laughs> we read it as two opposing forces: God right. and Satan. Yeah. In that time, it would have been theologically just God and then Satan developed as kind of like God's consigliere. So yes. really both could be true, but that's because theologically that's where they were. And so this is where, again, Christians don't understand the development of theological thought as we go right. through the Bible. They think it's just this univocal thing where it's like, no, actually Satan's not the bad guy until later. Right. Satan always had worked for God. That's why they're hanging out yeah. and talking in Job. In Job, that's right. Which is one of the oldest books, we think, in the Old uh, old Covenant Scriptures. Yeah. Yeah, in the beginning, he's just hanging around. He's like, hey, hey, Satan, what you, what you doing, bud? You know, showing up for the for the uh, kind of like weekly staff meeting. The, the staff meeting. Where's my <laughs> prosecuting attorney? Yes. Who's been acting a fool? Who do we got to go after? Right. Yeah, exactly. Like the the idea that in the beginning, Satan was more of, a, or the devil was more of a, it was like a tester, right? So imagine like if you're taking a class in school and the instructor is teaching you and you're, you go through a semester and then you come in one day and there's, and they give you a test. Is that evil? No, it's not, not evil to give you a test. It's just to see if you've learned what you've been, you know, the things you've been taught. Like it's really more of that level initially that that's that's how the devil is seen he's just there to test your faith to see if you really do you know believe the things that you say and 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 you understood the things that god has been showing you and teaching you and that's his job he's just just he's just coming to test you he's not he's not like i hope they fail it's just like no um my that's my job i just test people and uh and shake things out to see what's real what's true and what isn't I think it's like Ryan Stokes who said it's God's executioner. Yeah. And not not the uh, not the accuser, but uh, Wait, that's why you also have a separate um right in the in the in Genesis that's why or the Exodus you have a, a separate being which is the angel of death. Cuz you don't want to say well God would you know killed all these people. It's like no no God didn't do it. He just has this guy his job is he's the angel of death and what's his job? Well, he kills people. <laughs> I think, it's, I think when you when you realize most of the most of most of any like ancient texts or any philosophical religious texts, I think he's basically just trying to answer like, okay, if God is good, why is there so much fucked up shit in the world? Right. I think that's what really trying to. And so when you when you put up those answers, you're going to have some weird answers, and that's why there's some bad examples in the Bible of like how it works. But people are trying to wrestle with this because it's an absurd notion. Yeah, why is if God's in control? And there's a good God. Why why do we have so much suffering? If we're right. supposed to be the chosen people of God, why did we again lose this battle? Why are right. we again? Well, it must know, have been something we did. We must yeah, have failed like, God because God is good. Got to, so we must yeah. have screwed up. Yeah. And exactly. again, it's you're right. It's just them trying to do their best trying. to figure out why did that earthquake come? Why why are our yeah. crops not growing? Well, it must have been some sin in our we Why is everything in my life? Why does all my family got boils? They're all dead. All my money's gone. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's Job, you know. I like, must have offended my God somehow, right? All my friends say that. So That's right. And what so it's it's and what else does it give it us a does it give us a great answer? No, it doesn't give us a great answer. Like it's God's basically an like, quit quit bitching, here's a bunch of other shit. Yeah. Um gird up your loins, bitch. Like <laughs> that's not a great answer, but it's an it's an answer, I suppose. Um yeah. so well, uh, we're coming up on an hour. We have, uh, we got a, what do we have? Five minutes. We got a staff meeting after this. We got some other shit to do. Yep. Swear to God, never stops. Never, never ends. And, and man, never. here we are. It's choir. It's in our lap, baby. We're running this thing now. God help us. Where's the, uh, I think I have a sound bite for that. Nope, it's gone. Nope. Shoot. Oh, well. It's in our hands now, though. No yeah. turning back, baby. Yeah, here we go. Well, onward and upward. Onward and upward. If you could help us out by uh, liking, subscribing, giving a rating, a review, sharing on social media, telling Please. your friends, doing yes. all the things, that would be great. 
If you do want to send um, anyone a copy of Don't Be a Dick, I can help you out with that. If you want to pick up our books, that would be great too. And listen to all the other Choircast podcasts, Heretic Happy Hour, This Is Not Church, Ideas Digest, Messy Spirituality, and the new Evangelicals, our very brand new show. So That's welcome, right. Tim and team. team. And there may be more coming. We'll see. Um, there, there, we were in discussions with some other really cool podcasts uh, as mm-hmm. well. But as the network grows and expands, um, yeah, please continue to to check out those other podcasts on the network. Because again, we we Good. didn't just we didn't just arbitrarily pick these. These are podcasts we really we know these guys. We we they're doing great work, putting out really great content on a regular basis. And um, so yeah, check them out. Check them out. And we'll see you in two weeks. All right. Peace out.